Now that it's the bye week and we're kind of looking forward to the rest of the season, the Aggies have to find a way to salvage this thing. You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on into Locked on Aggies. I'm your host, Andrew Stefaniak. Thanks for making Locked on Aggies your first listen every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Looking forward to the rest of the schedule. Big time bye week for the Aggies. Get to rest, get your legs back under you, maybe figure some things out going forward. But looking at the rest of the schedule, you have to find a way to go four and one. Have to. Have to go four and one. The FPI numbers on the last five games of the season are as follows. The Aggies have an 82.3% chance to beat South Carolina coming out of the bye week at home a 36.6% chance to beat Ole Miss on the road, an 84.9% chance to beat Mississippi State at home, a 99% chance to beat Abilene Christian at home, and a 34.6% chance to beat the LSU Tigers in Baton Rouge. So, looking at these games, South Carolina... We're going to talk a lot, obviously, next week about the South Carolina game and prep for that game fully. But looking at these numbers for this team or for these games, you you have to find a way to salvage this season. Now, I've seen some other people say, hey, let's just go one and four, beat Abilene Christian and move on and you know, and if that's your opinion, we talked about that on yesterday's show. So we have some we have some comments on that, which is great. We get some back and forth conversation there. But my stance here is as follows: If you find a way to go four and one, you have to now. This would do multiple things. It would snap your road losing streak, and likely, unless one of these two teams drops out of the AP poll. This would snap your Coach Fisher's I haven't won a game in uh, on the road against ranked opponents since 1942 streak. So basically, you got to find a way to win one of those two ball games, Ole Miss or LSU. It's funny, both teams to me are similar in the fact that they have great offenses and defenses that are kind of, yeah, you know, eh, they're fine. Um, obviously, both of those those teams concern me based on their downfield passing threat. We know with Texas A&M's issues in the secondary, that is going to be concerning, to say the least. So those are two games that, if they were at home, I would say the Aggies, I would, I would like the Aggies in both of those games just because I don't, I think LSU and Ole Miss are still a tad bit overrated, tad bit, but... Knowing that those ball games are on the road, I'm a lot more, I'm a lot less optimistic about those games. So, 
Um, South Carolina, Mississippi State. Now, once again, we're going to talk a lot more about the South Carolina game next week, obviously breaking it down, previewing it, heading into that ball game. But looking at this, I, I don't think South Carolina is very good, for lack of better words. Um, now, preface this, I want to go ahead and let everybody know, I am going on a fishing trip with my mom and grandparents next week, early next week, with, with it being the Aggies bye week. So I'm going to record a couple episodes ahead of time for previewing South Carolina. So if they were to do something miraculous this upcoming weekend, you know, um, we'll talk about that later in the week next week. But I'm just not sold on South Carolina. I think Rattler, I, I mean, I'll tell you this. I think Rattler is a quarterback who, you know, I was, all you everydayers that have been watching this show for a long time now know that I was pretty not high on Rattler. His numbers have not been terrible. 11, pit, 11 touchdowns, four interceptions, 1,724 yards, uh, 142 for 193 passing. The numbers aren't bad. Like, He's, you know, uh, Cook of Missouri has better numbers. What I'm saying is the numbers aren't like awful. They're not horrible. But I mean, you look at South Carolina and they're, they lost North Carolina. They beat Furman. They lose to Georgia. They beat Mississippi State, lose Tennessee, lose to Florida in a game that they should have won. You know, I mean, that was, especially with that game being at home and even in the swamp, that's a little, that was definitely a little embarrassing. But, I think the point still stands. South Carolina, I don't – you should win that game. I think that Mississippi State, I think, is is kind of like the equivalent of you can write the down as a W. I know you have to go and you have to play well, you have to, but Mississippi State has just been pretty bad all year. South Carolina is the team that – I always talk about Rattler. He's always – it seems like he's always capable of doing this whole, hey, I'm going to throw for 504 today. He's always capable to do that. I mean, does he'll he'll sneak up on you and do it a time or two every year. You just don't want it to be against your team. And Rattler's always liable to do that. He's always liable to have this amazing game where he puts up huge numbers. It's always a possibility. So, Rat, like I said, that's a ball game. I think the Aggies should win, but Rattler could always find a way to show up and put together a game. Like I said, we'll break down that that ball game more next week, but. So for me, I feel pretty confident that that there are three wins here already, which is going to get you to seven. That that's going to get you to that seven mark. You've already got your wins over your two not great non-conference opponents and Auburn and Arkansas. So you got your four wins, you got your three losses. I think I see three more wins you can pretty much write down um, to get you to seven, and then. So you're at, I think I feel pretty confident saying you're at seven and three. You know what I mean? I know that the games don't play up. And then you have two games. You have LSU and Ole Miss to really decide the season. I do like that the Ole Miss and LSU games are, are kind of spread apart. You know, it wouldn't be fun if you had to do those games back to back with the with this schedule you have here, knowing that you know none of these teams, none of these teams besides those two are really scary you know, for lack of better words. So I think it's good to know you. Um, it's good to know that you've got a little break. And then it's good to know too, you have Abilene Christian before LSU. 
hopefully you can get players healthy. You can rest some guys. Don't have to play the whole football game. That's all good stuff. But I think for this season to not be a total and utter waste, lost, horrendousness, you have to find a way to win one of those two games. Because I think, I think what it would do is it would it would a little bit change some perspective on Coach Fisher. I mean, here's the deal. What I'm seeing from this game, I think you could argue that Texas A&M has played, they've played seven games, three of them I consider big games, four of them I consider games you should probably win. Games you should probably win, you won. The big games, you're 0-3. And I think that you these two games are, well, I don't think, I know this, those two games are big games. Find a way to win one. Get rid of this perspective of this, this outlook on Texas A&M that the Aggies can't win the big game. Coach Fisher can't win the big game. Win one of those two. I almost, if I had to pick which one I'd want to win, I'd say LSU. Because kind of like last year, you win that ball game like you did last year, and it gives you that confidence heading into this season or into the following season. got to go, okay. We were eight and four, not what we wanted it to be, but we finished the year strong and 2024, as I've said a ton of times here on Lockdown Aggies could be a really exciting season. So I, I just think my point is what I'm saying is you got to find a way to salvage this season. I don't think three and two is salvaged this season. If you go three and two, it's simple as this. If you go three and two, the rest of these games finish your season. Season seven and five should that you should have you could argue you should have lost, but feels like every team wins one game they maybe shouldn't have won every season. If the Aggies go on two in these ball games, they will have truly just win the games they're supposed to, lose ones we're not. Nothing different. Um, so that's why I think finding a way to steal one of those two games is gonna be so important. You have to find a way to salvage this season, and I think the best way to do that is to take either the LSU or the Ole Miss game, go 8-4, and four, win a bowl game. That is how you're going to salvage this season. You have got to find a way to get it done. We are going to talk about the PFF grades on the season at, to this point thus far. Some of them are interesting. Some of the grades are higher, lower than you'd expect. We'll talk about that coming up right here. Unlocked on Aggies. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Jace Medical. Jace Medical is one of the most interesting new companies. I always say when they sponsor the show, I say this, they're one of the most interesting new companies that I think I've ever seen. They were created during the pandemic. They offer two products. They offer Jace Case and the Jace Daily Package. What these different packages are, the Jace Case, it comes with these antibiotics I talked about when we opened the show that can treat multiple different infections, help you out when you're struggling with some diseases or with infections, excuse me. And, and that's the best part about it is you can have it with you. Like I said, I'm going on the fishing trip, right? Going, going to North Carolina, going on an ocean fishing trip with my papa, Gigi, and my mom. Heading down there. This is a good product to have. They Obviously, they send us a product. That I, I'm going to take it with me because you never know when you're going to need it. You never know in situations like that on trips. Are you going fishing? Are you going hunting? What are you doing? Having this could help you in a pinch, and it's a good thing to have. The Jace Daily is more of your prescriptions you take on a, on a daily basis. They give you a, a supply of those to where if you run out, if there's if 
people are low on them, you can have your prescriptions ready to go. It's a great product, a smart product. You have got to go check it out. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. I also want to talk about our friends over at FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better place to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. So looking at some PFF grades, it's a little interesting how some of these, so we're going to run through offense and defense. So the Aggies highest graded offensive player, this is ironically is Connor Wigman. He played 221 total snaps before going down with his injury. And he graded out at a 91.8. I mean, that is incredible. That right there, and we'll get down to Max Johnson's numbers. And once again, you're going to look at these. They're not bad. They're not bad, but they're not what Connor Rickman did. Now, one thing, this is a point my dad made, and it was a good one. You know, the games that Connor Rickman played, New Mexico, Louisiana Monroe, you know, he um, he in the first half of Auburn and then the Miami game. Max Johnson's been playing SEC opponents. It's hard. So what I'm saying is, do I do I think Connor Wigman's PFF grade and numbers would be better than Max Johnson's if he was healthy right now? I do. But I also do think his PFF grade wouldn't be 91.8 if he was playing Alabama and Tennessee and Arkansas and Auburn, you know, he wouldn't, that wouldn't be what his PFF grade is. So I think that's kind of, that, that tells a story, but not the full story, but still impressive that his PFF grade through four, three and a half games was a 91.8. I mean, that is pretty awesome. The next guy you got here is Le'Veon Moss. He's got 197 snaps on the year, six games, graded out at a six, a 76.5. The one grade of his that is a little concerning, alerting, is his pass block grade, 34.4. Um, now, I mean, like, here's the deal. Amari Daniels' pass block grade is a 23.4. Let's see what Reuben Owens is because I don't think um, it's much better either. Let me see. Oh, lost my numbers. But, yeah, I don't think Reuben Owens' number is necessarily much better. Yes, let's see. Yeah. 19.5. So this is a common theme we're picking up on here. Texas A&M's running backs are not great pass blockers, and that is not a great thing. I like for my, my running backs to be able to help a little bit, chip a little bit, third and five, third and long. You want your running backs to be able to chip a little bit and get out in the flat after they chip or after they help. So that is definitely concerning, but it's still good to see Le'Veon Moss's um, numbers up there. Now, we're also going to – I'm only going to talk about players who whose numbers are – like we're not going to talk about 
Uh, Raymond Cottrell, who's I mean, he has a 75.7 PFF grade, but it's also through 21 snaps. Like, you know, it's not. But so Evan Stewart's graded out of the 74.6. Through 319 snaps, Max Wright, 73.9. Um, his pass grade is awesome. His pass block grade is 75 uh, is 52.3, which is not great. And his run block grade is 70.1, which is good, which we talked about going into the year. Noah Thomas is graded at a 69.9. Trey Zoon, 69.2. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he's the uh, Trey Zoon has graded out as the best of the uh, offensive linemen to this point. And with that, through 40, 478 snaps, he's at a 69.2. So you can't be upset about that. Max Johnson, here's Max Johnson graded out at a 67.0 through 271 snaps. And then uh, Cam Dewberry, uh, Buck 72, 63.7. Mari Daniels is graded at 62.9, 23.4 pass grade, like we talked about. Um, so I think the first takeaway from this is the running backs need to do a better job helping in the in, helping pass block for Max Johnson. That is my first takeaway from looking at these PFF grades. Um, my second PFF grade is some of these offensive linemen's grades are actually really bad. Layden Robinson through 478 snaps, he's at a 60.6. Then you got um, where's where's all yeah Mark Naboo. Five seven uh, fifty seven point nine through three hundred eighty six snaps. Then you got Chase Basantis a fifty point eight through three hundred fifty nine snaps. I mean these are not good numbers, ladies and gentlemen. And then Bryce Foster, Bryce Foster, forty eight point nine through four hundred snaps. His pass block grade is a forty point six. His run block grade is a fifty three point five. Those numbers are absolutely horrendous. I mean, truly, for a guy who we were hoping was going to have a big season this year, help with some NFL draft stock, those numbers are really bad. We saw the snap issues he had last Saturday. This is definitely uh, – that's my other theme looking at the offense, and we're going to talk about defense next, but the offensive linemen, the PFF grades really bring the light how bad they've been. And we know that just from looking at the numbers, from looking at the sacks, from watching the football game. But looking at these numbers, at these PFF grades, you just go, man, these offensive linemen truly have been really bad. They got to be better. Talk, you know, We just got done talking about salvaging the season. How can you fix this season? There's a lot you got to do to kind of try and get to 4-1 and one or um, on these last five games. And offensive linemen – giving Max Johnson time, I think is my number one has to happen. If it doesn't happen, I don't know how you beat LSU or Ole Miss on the road in those environments. I know the atmosphere at, at, at Ole Miss isn't great, but the atmosphere at LSU will be out of this world. How do you win those football games if you can't give your quarterback time? It's a great – it's an interesting question. Um, Edrin Cooper – as a grade out an 87.5 through 324 snaps. That is incredible, incredible stuff from Cooper. York, 76.5. So that's what I talked about yesterday. It was funny on the show. I, I talked about what needs to stay the same and what needs to um, what needs to improve throughout the rest of the season. And one thing I talked about was, hey, the linebackers going into the year, I was concerned. I was concerned about depth. But these guys have been pretty good. The two highest defensive PFF grades on the year. 
And then you add on top of that, Chris Russell's PFF grade isn't terrible at 65.4. Now, this is interesting. This number right here is going to surprise some people. And I am really curious to hear y'all's thoughts on this. The third highest PFF grade player. I almost want to say pause the episode and go comment who you think it's going to be before I say it and drum roll. We can do that if you want to. Pause the episode, go comment who you think the third highest PFF graded player on defense is going to be. Five second drum roll. The reason I'm doing this experiment is because I don't think anyone's going to guess it. Josh DeBerry. I mean, I you know I took down these stats to be able to talk about them on today's show, and I hadn't really looked at the numbers fully yet. So I, I'm just as surprised as y'all seeing that Josh DeBerry's third in PFF grade. That and his coverage grade isn't bad. Now I know that he's only had like he's had two bad games of you could argue of the seven games of the year. Two of them have been bad. The rest of them have been fine. But the, the couple that have been bad were really bad. So that is a little bit surprising to me. Uh, Shamar Turner, 73.6 PFF grade on the year. McKinley Jackson, 73.3. Uh, Jacoby Matthews threw 316 snaps to 71.0. I don't, I don't mind that from him at all. Uh, Fadil Digg, 69.3. Bryce Anderson, 67.1, but his tackle grade needs some work. Walter Nolan, 66.8. Sam McCall threw 34 snaps to 65.5. I don't understand that one. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, and this is interesting too. DJ Hicks, um, through 52 snaps on the year playing in five games, his PFF grade is a 68.2. I wish now that, you know, hopes for playoff and SEC and all that, just why not let him get some play time and get him ready for next year? Cause you're going to need him. And also you don't want to lose him in the portal. So I would, I would get him out there some in these last five games, see what he can do a little bit more. Um, and then just some last couple guys on defense before we move into segment three and talk about some stats throughout the rest of the season. Um, Tariq Chappelle's PFF grade has been horrendous. 54.6. His tackle grade is awful. I mean, his his, his grades have not been good. Um, LT Overton, I was thinking, I was looking at him as kind of maybe a sleeper on the year. His PFF grade through a, a buck 48 has not been good. Um, Albert Regis, 60.8. Not terrible, not awful. Isaiah Reikes, 61.1, not terrible, not great. Um, Javon Thomas, the freshman in 33 snaps, 61.1, not great. So um, PFF grades, you know, always tell an interesting story. They always tell a, you know, what do we think here? But I think it's it's positive for some players and concerning for some players. But at the end of the day, PFF grades are not the end of the world. Like you saw, Josh DeBerry has a great grade. But there's still an interesting metric to look at. Some people in the industry love them. Some people don't like them. I'm kind of in the middle. I think they're an interesting thing to look at, but I don't think they're in there. The, they tell the full story on players, but I like reading them, like going through them. Now we're going to talk about some different stats, where the Aggies stand in the SEC in different metrics coming up right here on Locked on Aggies. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. 
With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Before we call it a day here on Locked on Aggies, we are going to run through a few SEC stats, where the Aggies stand or any of these surprising, run through that. So Texas A&M, seven games into the year, is sixth in the SEC in total offense. They are sixth in passing, up 268 yards per game. Once again, that's a number that if you had Connor Wigman, I think would be a little bit higher, would maybe be closer to the 285 range, you know, around there. Um, but still, not a, not a bad number, not a terrible number. Sixth in the SEC, I'd love to see it get to four, fourth or third in the SEC, but not terrible as we hit the bye week. This is the one that's concerning. Tenth in the SEC in rushing, 131 yards a game. Going into the year, I thought that the, the rushing attack was going to be much better than it has been. So this is definitely a concern for me. It's definitely something that I'm not super happy with. So the rushing attack, I mean, it's one thing. And I think I think it's more on the offensive line, frankly, than it is the running backs. I think the offensive line has got to be better in creating holes for these running backs throughout the rest of the season. The Aggies have created six turnovers, which is 13th in the SEC. This is another thing. Heading into the year, I talked about I said, you have got to find a way to create turnovers at more often than you did last year. Because that once again, last year was a number that the Aggies did not bottom in the you know t- bottom-ish of the SEC. Didn't create a lot of turnovers. I said I want to see you more in the top half of the SEC this year. To this point, they're 13th. Hasn't happened. I think Florida was the team that was in 14th, and they only, yeah, they had their numbers have been pretty bad. So you got to find a way to turn the ball over more. Um, so this is interesting. Randy has made more field goals than anybody else in the SEC, but his percentage is second to worst at about 71 point something. So that says two things: Randy's got to make more kicks, and the Aggies got to score more touchdowns. Those are the two things that, that tells me. And then Constantinu uh, punting, his his punting yards, 40 yards a punt is one of the lowest numbers in the SEC. He was a guy that we thought would be more of a weapon. I wish that he could really get more boots into it. Hopefully he does throughout the rest of the year because winning that field field possession battle will kill you. And like we saw that against Tennessee, you got to find a way to win the field position battle. And having a punter who can boom it helps with that. And then, once again, the Aggies lead the SEC in sacks with 29, seven games into the year. So pressure's been there. Getting after the quarterback has been there. It has been awesome to see the linebackers and defensive line and safeties and corners living in the backfield. That is going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Aggies. Thank you so much for making Locked on Aggies your first listen every single day. I really appreciate you every day or should tune in every day. Sit here, listen to me talk about the Aggies. Have a great rest of your day today, and we will see you tomorrow.